Welcome to Razor Branding Podcast with Jackie Russo. To learn more about how to improve your brand, visit brandrusso.com. Hi, it's Jackie Russo, and thanks for joining me today for Razor Branding Podcast. I'm so excited to have Stephen and Peter here. They made a huge presentation uh, to downtown Lafayette for the new wayfinding project that they just finished. And my team was there, and they were like, this wayfinding signage thing is really cool. Let's talk about it. So welcome to the show, Stephen and Peter. Thank you. Welcome. Hello. 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 Um, now, we've had the opportunity to do three person before, and it's always interesting uh, because I want to ask both of you the same questions. So y'all have to figure out who's going to answer which thing. And, you know, it'll be like a round robin. Um, but because I've got our standard questions here ready to roll. I want to start with the wayfinding signage. How did that come about? What was the catalyst? Um, tell me a little bit about that process. Or is it just Anita called and said, y'all have to do this? <laughs> actually, so it actually uh, might have started um, partially because of Create, uh, specifically Kate Durio and I had talked about doing the wayfinding signage a while back. And I actually brought someone on just to help us do some research into wayfinding. And, and we did a proposal and it ended up getting funded. And before you know it, we're bringing on Peter and Allison to help us do the graphics while we do more of the urban design side of it. And that's how it, that's how it happened. Now, um, Anita helped push it forward too. At some point she jumped on and uh, I remember her and I being in Greenville, South Carolina, and we were like kind of nerding out with their, their wayfinding system too. So. So Peter, think of, you know, share a little bit about how you, when y'all entered you and Allison, where your process was and you're like, oh, sure, we've done a million of these. We're ready to roll. Right. No, <laughs> I haven't, yeah. haven't done a, a million wayfinding projects. I mean, we've done a couple of map projects in there. Um, we had worked with Stephen on a couple of other projects and we've known Stephen for a while now. And so when he asked us to do it, uh, you know, we kind of, I felt like we kind of looked at each other and I said, I think we could do this together. I think our, our eyes and vision will be in the same place. And then at the same time, uh, we had just been doing a lot of work and still do a lot of work with Codafill. So because this wayfinding project, one of the main things is it had to be bilingual. We already, even though Alice and I do not speak French, we were already working on a project where we knew, at least from a design point of view, how to organize that information to make it bilingual. Right, right. So you mentioned Greenville, South Carolina. That's the one Acadiana trip to other communities, right? Yes, that's it. So did y'all look at other communities wayfinding signages for inspiration? We looked at a lot. I mean, I wouldn't even say a dozen, like more than a dozen, right? And, right. and all over the world, not just in the United States. And some of the best examples we were finding uh, we're in Europe, but also in Australia hmm. and some of the uh, Basel was one that I remember us really zooming in on uh, walk NYC was one legible London, um, as well as probably the, the one of the better ones that we found was in Adelaide in um, Australia in Australia. Now, those are also pretty big communities. Uh, is there an equivalent for a town as small as Lafayette? Did you find some in, in smaller markets too? I mean, they, they exist. Uh, I don't know if they were our precedent as much as some of the bigger cities, but 
I mean, I guess we're aspiring to be like the bigger cities, but at the same time, Peter and Allison did a really great job of, of testing the, the, the totem concepts whenever we were developing them, testing them in the Lafayette environment, even just Photoshopping them on top of like Jefferson street or in, in Gerard park and, and just seeing, does it, does it look like it goes with the environment? So Peter, you mentioned the need for translations. Obviously this Acadiana community is based, uh, or it's, it's heritage is in French. And so when y'all looked at doing the French to English translations and not being French speakers yourselves, uh, did you use Google Translate? Did you turn to local French people? Did you go with Cajun French or authentic real French? What was the process? Right. I, yeah, I would. I don't think I would ever suggest using the Google Translate. We've done. We've done a lot of bilingual projects with um, even the education department at UL in, for French and Spanish. And yeah, never, never use Google Translate. <clears throat> it's it's for sure wrong, especially when you have something. I would say, and maybe Stephen would agree, kind of as nuanced as Louisiana French, which is not exactly the same. And I know Stephen could elaborate more. Uh, on that, but we relied heavily yeah, I'm on. The, I'm the French speaker in the group. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But we relied heavily on uh, on Codafil, of course, and their input, uh, Stephen's input, and other uh, just other you're right French speakers. So, Jackie, when we were looking at it for the assets, uh, the first thing was: is it is it a term that's already established? So, a lot of them were already established and written on the buildings themselves. So, the 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 parish courthouse, it says Maison de Cour, like written on it, right? Even the municipal, um, the uh, city court, it says um, Maison de Cour Municipal. So a lot of these things were already established. Now, there were some that even in English, we use the French term, right? Like Parc Sans Souci or Parc International. Um, but then there's some, uh, we were finding that there were some English ones that just stay in English and French. So it goes both ways, like Cajun Dome. So, um, so you know, it, it, then we started looking at what were other things that were established in other ways, like Girard Park. Um, when you have Festival Acadien, they always say Parc Girard. So, you know, that, that was the second sort of iteration. Then we started really looking at the Louisiana French Dictionary. Um, which was like 10 years in the making. So this this was based off of lots of interviews and, and understanding what was used locally. And in the end, Codafil uh, put together a committee to kind of help even flush all that out. And then um, I guess finally, if they really didn't have a word in Louisiana French, we went for the international French term, which was actually not too often, but sometimes we we did, you know. But I think that's really great because you're honoring the heritage of the people who founded this community and welcoming back the international travelers who speak a version of French uh, from wherever they might be. Correct. And we also made sure that most of these terms are going to be understood by people from whether they're from Canada, the Caribbean, Africa or Europe. I mean, they we, we made sure that these were terms. Now, some of them, they might be, oh, well, that's kind of cute or, um, well, that's a different way of saying it. But. Yeah, I mean, like the word for trash can, we use kind of an old school term and um, or like we'll say, like protect the bayou. Right. So it's not something you would see in France or Belgium. Not a lot of bayous there. No. (laughs) (laughs) Or coolies. Um, Yeah. 
They so might have coolies, but no, for sure. What's the timeline to get these produced and installed and ready for use? Um, so we actually have already went out for bid and we selected a, the lowest bidder and they have been given the go. Uh, they have about 30 days from today to do a mock-up. It's actually going to be right in front of your office in uh, Park Saint-Cc. And that after we approve that mock-up, they'll go ahead and do the other 20 or 21 or whatever. I think we had 22 total at some point. And um, they'll go ahead and start putting that within 45 days after we approve. Good. So this will filter throughout downtown Lafayette and greater Lafayette. Mm -hmm. um, um, do we extend beyond the city into the parish? So we kind of do, I guess, because, but not with the, not with the walking and the totems, the walking and totems are real more in the urban core of Lafayette. So downtown and the, the, the neighborhoods that surround it. Um, the, we are working with the administration as well as with the council, some council and parish council men, members to create for them to adopt the, um, uh, I guess it's the policy book mm -hmm. uh, that Peter and Allison really worked hard on creating like a, a policy book on the exact graphics and where to put things and, you know, very graphic designer type stuff. Brand um, standards and guidelines is what we call correct. it. Exactly. exactly. So the guideline book. And, um, and so we're working on trying to get that ad adopted officially through the councils, uh, which would include the whole parish. That's awesome. Uh, I would love to see, you know, the entire parish embrace it because it's great when we can have that connectivity from city to city throughout the parish. So that's awesome because every one of our, our cities has an urban core that's very walkable. Um, so it would be nice to see that carried through. Um, you know, in a perfect world, there's no limitations on budget time or other responsibilities. Where would you take this project next? <laughs> Peter, we've kind of oh. talked about it, huh? Yeah, I mean, I think in some in some ways, of course, you you always want to make it make it bigger and keep going. I, I but I always feel like with more with an unlimited budget, I I would want to keep going inward, keep going back, and keep double checking and keep refining uh, to make sure that it could be the best it could be. You know, Jackie, there was That's so much there's so much scope creep on this project. That's <laughs> shocking, Stephen. That never happens. Um and. Yeah. And we, we had talked about, we'd love to do the bus systems more. Um, yeah. Peter came up with a great new bus sign and it would be great to, to be able to put underneath that sign, like what are the destinations on this line where you, it, people don't realize, oh, I can get on this bus and I can go to Moncus Park or I can get on this bus and go to the uh, Cajun Dome. And, and being able to do that would be fun. Um, I think also we, we were only able in our time able to look at five different parks. Um, I think we have a total of like 20 parks in the, in the parish. So um, looking at all the parks would be another thing that would be something we would want to see. And I, um, I would say also if, if budget wasn't obviously a constraint, you would want, I think even bring in more technology um, mm -hmm. aspects to the project, you know, which would probably be designing apps or specific websites that could also help you kind of along this way to find what you need um, to kind of merge the older 
uh, kind of like precedent wayfinding with more modern technology that people are used to using to navigate. That'd be awesome. I was in Los Angeles a couple of weeks ago and in uh, Santa Monica, right near their third street promenade, uh, they have an ambassador, a cultural ambassador there to greet visitors, guest tourists, give them information, you know, directions to parking, restrooms, remind them about paying to park, whatever it might be. Um, I would love to see that. Wouldn't that be awesome if we had bilingual ambassadors stationed throughout downtown? That's not a bad idea. Yeah, I like that idea. <laughs> right? I mean, and not just around festival time, but all the time, you know, to be able to help guide anyone who's coming here. Now that LCVC office is down here, I mean, what a nice tie-in that could be. I know. I've, I've always felt that the, that the Welcome Center or the Information Center should be downtown. Like, that should be where most people come first and then kind of spread out from there. But, right. uh, you know. But yeah, just uh, having you write a greeter, a liaison would be mm -hmm. interesting. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, I love this project and it made me start thinking about how much downtown is expanding and growing and what a great job Anita's done. I, th I think I talk about that just about every chance I get. Um, Stephen, I know you've had some pretty big projects going down here. Catch us up on what you've been doing and then maybe what's coming next. <laughs> Your, your program's only 50 minutes. <laughs> uh, you know, it's every day, it's something different, but I guess the biggest accomplishment that we did was we built Vermilion Lofts, which is the first new construction mixed use project in downtown Lafayette, um, four stories, and we've filled it up and 100%, the ground floor retail is almost full and we have a lot of activity on the street. I mean, we've seen it, it's really activated this corner and made it come alive even beyond just the building. And so it's, it's very encouraging. We actually moved our office into the bottom floor so we get to really see it. Um, and we have plans to build it again, to build one across the street that'll be five stories. Directly uh, across the street, so also on that same corner or in one? Because I know there's um, a building right there now. It's, uh, it'll be in one, it'll be going back towards your office, right. going back towards uh, Parks on. Uh, so it'll, it, and it's, it's gonna take up over half of the block. So wow. it, it'll uh, really create the connection going back towards the park from Freetown. That's so, awesome. And that one we're, we're gonna do five stories, but it'll taper down with a, with a small roof terrace and the roof terrace for, for the, um, for the tenants. That's amazing. So. We've been talking about, I mean, you know, we're only one story now, uh, but because of our proximity to the parks and kind of being in the center of town and having a five story parking garage next door, I want to go to five stories. Uh, we'd be able to see over the children's museum into park international. Um, maybe somebody would let us do a walkway from fifth floor to fifth floor and we could do a rooftop terrace. How awesome would that be? <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Steven can make that happen. I can make it happen. I have no doubt. I have no doubt. Um, do you also have an unlimited budget? No, sadly, only in hypothetical situations do I have unlimited budget, not in practical realities. My banker would say my budget is very limited. But how amazing that would be, right? Um, yeah. So but we're, you know, we're, one of the, the one of the goals was to to give people an example of what can be possible, but um, and how to do it. Um, this project was about embracing the street. It's about or mixing uses, urbanism. Um, but at the same time, we, we even were able to put a rainwater garden on the interior of the block, right? So um, even having some green features in an urban context. 
That's awesome. Um, but we're also setting the rents and setting the allowing other developers to be able to um, to make a project work based on um, you know appraisers come in and they need comparables, and so we're, we're we've created that comparable. You know, I think about how it seems quickly. I know you worked on it for a long time, but from when I first heard about it to you being at a hundred percent capacity seemed to go kind of fast. Um, so does that bode well, you think, for your next five-story structure, the two 20-story towers that they're talking about doing next to the federal courthouse? I mean, how much growth and development are we about to have downtown? I guess I guess we're, we're going to find out, right? It's hard to predict. Um, but the, after you start laying a foundation of comparables, comparable um, banks are willing to look at you more and um, investors are willing to look at you more. And even in our office, we're having more and more um, property owners downtown coming to us and saying, um, hey, can can we look at the possibility of doing something on, on our property? So right. um, so we'll see. We'll see. We got a, a bunch of things in the works and um, you, you never know which one will um, ignite. I love that. Uh, one of the things that I uh, first heard about when I served on the board uh, for downtown, which was a few years ago, was infill. It never occurred to me about the importance of infill, especially mm -hmm. in an urban core. Um, Stephen, that seems to be something that you're kind of practicing what you preach and really focusing on that. Can you talk a little bit about why infill is so important to a community? Um, infill is, you know, it's kind of like... Um, it's hard to, to eat if you're missing teeth, you know? <laughs> um, it, you also, it's harder to smile when you're missing teeth. So it's filling in the missing teeth of, of, your, of your urban core and parking lots or empty lots or to some extent, even uh, vacant buildings are, are the missing teeth that you have to, to fill in because what ends up happening is if someone's walking down the street and there's too big of a gap um, they're not encouraged to continue walking. And so you don't have that activity, uh, which brings commerce and uh, what makes downtown fun, right? So that, I mean, that's that's the reason why um, infill is extremely, extremely important. Peter, you and Allison and I have gotten to work on some projects together in the past. And one of the things that's always interested me um, was how diverse your sets of talents are and your interests are. So we work together on, on videography projects. Y'all have made a line of toys. You're creating wayfinding signage. When we think about you know building a brand, usually it's kind of a very narrow focus and y'all sort of blown that up and gone wide with it. How does that keep you moving forward when you get to do so many different fun creative projects? <clears throat> Right. Well, we're in the same boat as you where it's like, I feel like with clients, we're always like, you need to narrow, you need to focus. And then they're like, but you don't narrow and focus. And it's like, that's true. That's true. So I, I to me, it's always, it, to me, it's kind of like our logo. Like I would never pitch a five color logo to anybody, but, but if I want it, I guess, <laughs> but I, but I know where it can go wrong. So it's like, it's, it, to me, like that's kind of an example. So I feel like that uh, Allison and I, since we've started, I mean, her background is in film and I have a degree in industrial design or product design. And we've just never put any limitations on that creativity. 
Uh, and we know a lot of people that have become hyper specialists, uh, I guess, like, and not necessarily in a bad way, but put themselves like in, in one box. I'm doing this one thing and I'm going for it and going for it. And I feel like we're always kind of incrementally moving every little thing up. I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't know if it's like a just like anxiety, like I want to keep working on different things or I just I think we just love creativity in kind of any way, shape or form. And we also love learning. So it's like we're not afraid to jump in on a project and and try to learn that. Now, that probably comes from the industrial design background of having to quickly become an expert on something and the documentary film background of like wanting to get to know something as well. So I think we're always looking to learn and then expand on that. But don't you I think, think I'm sorry, I think that's why going. we get along so well. I mean, yeah. we, our practice is very similar in the fact that it's it's it it is a cast a wide net, and I mean we're not just just I mean look we do wayfinding system which is kind of urban design, but we also do a master plan for um, for townhouses, or we'll do an infill lot, or we'll do historic preservation, um, like the new Welcome Center in Carrickrow, two hundred year old Acadian cottage, or the or side the of the the parklets, the, you know. the parklet on, on Jefferson. Yeah. So, um, w you know, one thing though I realize is being in a smaller market, um, you almost are forced to do that sort of thing, but also it's, um, it kind of stretches your creativity and we love it. I mean, as long as the projects are, are fitting inside of our mission, uh, and they're, they're improving people's lives through design, uh, we get excited about it. So no, I agree with that. it seems like for both of you, though, there's quite the connective thread because what you're doing is taking your background, your skills and, and breathing into existence all of these different opportunities to continue to create. And so whether it is a welcome center in Karen Crow or a five story uh, mixed use space in downtown Lafayette, you're still developing the next thing where people are going to spend their time and live and sleep at night and you're making the world a better place. That's that's oh, that's our goal. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Exactly. And I, um, and I would say that I mean maybe some people would disagree with me, but it's like I I have a feeling that if I gave Stephen a week to design a toy, that he would come up with a good toy because he 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 understands you know general design principles. He's going to understand, of course, like color and balance and form and all of that. You know, in the same way that he might not consider himself a graphic designer, but he knows when it looks good and when it doesn't. And I'm sure Steven, you could do it if you wanted to do it. We and just I don't have time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why we, why we needed your help on this project. Right. We figured uh, you, you, your learning curve was less too than, than us. So. Right. But I think, but I think that comes down to just <clears throat> most creatives can do, I think can do a lot of things, but maybe not every technical aspect of it but in a in a general way i think that there's if i if you hand somebody who is a painter and you hand them a camera they probably would know how to compose a shot mm -hmm. but they might not know every technical aspect of that camera or how to get the, the pictures printed and printed properly and to be a photographer but there's there, there's some general knowledge you know in there that i think is shared well that's what michael always says uh, you know everybody's creative they may not all be artists but they're all creative in their own way. And so whether you're creating a new product or a new ad campaign or a new logo or a new strategy, 
it's still the creative process, it's still about challenging your mental muscle and, and getting that thing that's inside of you out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, Peter, you did not go to the University of Louisiana at Lafayette, did you? No, I did, I did not. not think so. No. <clears throat> no. Um, Stephen, did you? Are you a local college? No, no. also out. So y'all grew out up here, left, and came back. So you're both yes. boomerangers. That's it. Excellent. That's it. So when you think about the experiences that you had in going out, you know, conquering the world and then coming back home, what has surprised you the most about your return back to here? Peter? <laughs> I guess I'll go first. I mean, my, so I went to school in Savannah, Georgia, always makes like the top 10 list of walkable cities in the US. I didn't have a car for four years. Um, and quickly learn that and you come back here and you have to have a car. Uh, so I don't know, our, our wayfinding system might be showing you otherwise. Well, it's, yeah, and it, well, and it's getting and it's gotten better, you know, I guess. It has I, gotten better. When I, when I came back 13 years ago, it was different. And then I think that, uh, I don't know, I've always, the way I've always felt about Lafayette is like Lafayette's still malleable. And I feel like a lot of other markets, and I had some professors in college, it's like they're, they're not as much of that clay that you can mold. Somebody's already there and they've already done it and you can go work for them and you're going to add to their success. But um, to me, I've always had an interest in Lafayette. I've, I've always described it as the place that I wish I would have discovered, but unfortunately I grew up here. Um, <laughs> and I think that that's, that's just how I feel about it. Like I, I wish I would have just found this place. So I wasn't in my hometown, but then another way it's like, there's a lot here. There's a lot of potential here. And it's just, it's just finding that. I don't know if that answered your question. <laughs> it answered it perfectly. Steven, how about you? What's the um, biggest surprise upon coming home? Uh, actually, the more, the more I traveled, the more I appreciated our culture and what made us unique and realized that we have to um, use that. It, it's, it's probably our best resource. Um, I mean, yeah, we've got great natural resources um, and we've been very lucky to have those. But at the same time, the thing that we haven't tapped into enough and what makes us special is our culture and our identity um, is just so unique. And the more I've traveled, the more I realize how great the people were here and, um, and just how great of a place it is, right? Um, but I went, I went to school not as far away as Peter. I was in New Orleans and I also didn't have a car for two years. Um, so, um, I do, I do enjoy the walking and biking aspects of, of older cities, uh, such as Savannah or New Orleans, but we were developed mostly after the vehicle. So we have to adapt to, um, multimodal. Um, which I think I think we are slowly, and I think people are are starting to to get it and learn it, and you're hearing it more and more from leadership. Um, even one of Katiana has been pushing the um, quality of life issues, which you know obviously bikeability, walkability are probably the foundation of quality of life. So. Um, Hopefully it is as moldable as Peter says it is because <laughs> it's going to be really great soon. Um, so 
just a flashback for a second to last year, which I don't think anybody expected or predicted uh, would go the way it would. Um, obviously, there were you know a lot of uh, really sad occurrences through the pandemic, um, and then there were some some bright spots. So tell me a little bit about some of the bright spots for y'all. How were you able to make use of this strangest year probably in our lifetime? Steven, you're up first. You were uh, first last time. Okay. So, I mean, we, we definitely, I hate to use the word pivot, but I guess we did sort of pivot in some ways. Um, we, we're very lucky actually to have the wayfinding project and we're able to focus on that while nobody was wanting to talk about building anything. Um, we were a little more nervous on the, the real estate development side because Vermilion Lofts had just been delivered to us. And so there was like a scary two months of a complete shutdown where we're paying a very large note to a bank with nobody moving in. Um, uh, and obviously that, even even we overcame even COVID and filled the place up pretty quickly. But um, on the architecture side, there were, you know, we just got out there and kept on, kept on pushing. And uh, we had to ad adapt a lot to working from home, um, working remotely, which actually has helped us because one of our major employees, her visa ran out and she moved back home um, but we've been able to keep her on as a consultant um, because we understood better the tools that we could use. Um, and we had to get really creative, right? Because we're creatives and everything is about collaboration. So just a Zoom call is not enough. Um, I ended up, I took my um, stimulus check and bought a newer version of an iPad with a Apple Pencil and have switched almost completely away from the sketchbook into sketching um, sketching in the iPad, which is really interesting. I mean, I still have to go back to the, the get out of the iPad sometimes uh, to, to get creative, but at the same time, it's a whole new set of tools that um, we jumped out there and decided, let's, let's use this as an opportunity to learn these tools. It was more out of necessity, but we embraced it and said, some of these things we might actually keep doing. Right. I just upgraded to the 12.9 inch also, and I'm loving it. Um, Michael uses the iPad for drawing. Which app do you use? Is it Procreate or one of the others? Um, I use Morphosis's Trace a lot and also Procreate. Yeah. yeah. But Trace, Trace works really well for us because it's almost like you put in trace paper down and you can trace on top of, of, um, of things. Oh, that's so, kind of cool. Yeah. It is cool. Yeah. And even even our even redlining drawings has I started doing a lot of that. So it's um, you know going less and less paper, and uh, architecture is a very paper heavy uh, industry, as you can imagine. Yes, y'all kill some trees. Yeah, yeah. Well, probably more when we build the building, but you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, probably so for sure. Yeah. Peter, how about you? What was a bright spot of last year? Um. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to have a good answer for this. Uh, mainly our, our year, I don't know, it, in some ways it felt the same. And I, and I hate to say that, I know, because it was so different for a lot of people, but we, are, we already work from home. We already have the kid, our child here with us. It's like nothing really changed except 
uh, kind of going back to what we talked to talked about before it's like we just stopped doing less like production work because we couldn't go do video work right. but that's not the only thing we were doing so it turned into more graphic design stuff that we could do from home so we didn't we had to pivot just in minor ways uh, right. but last year it's like it sort of felt the same and sort of felt different it's just we just obviously missed the social aspect of getting out of the house <laughs> we make we make a choice to stay here most of the time, but then when you're forced to make that decision, it's like we really needed that other <laughs> interaction. Right. You know? So how have you and I'll, I'll start with Peter and then go to Stephen. How have you taken the lessons you learned from last year and the work that you did and the pivots that you made and changed something about what you want to do next? It may not even be an immediate change, but just looking down the line where you're heading and, and how you want to uh, to better prepare yourself maybe if something like that happens again. Right, I mean, I I guess for me, I guess Alice and I are always thinking, a lot of the people that we work with are, are still in this market. And I know, Russo, I know y'all work with people all over the country. And, uh, you know, I, I, I feel like for us, that's kind of what we're always trying to think is like, is there any work that we can secure in other markets? and uh, and just continue doing it from home or doing it from wherever, you know, we want to do it, just doing remote work. Uh, that's kind of like been our big concern. Uh, but then I feel like all the work in Lafayette just keeps piling up. So I'm always worried. I'm always worried that the work in Lafayette will dry up and then it doesn't. So I don't, I don't know. And I, uh, kind of as a side note now, I know I told Steven this before, but I do believe it. Uh, it's like, I really, really enjoy a lot of the work that Steven is doing. Um, his work downtown, some of his other developments, I don't know everything he can even talk about, maybe he shared with me, <laughs> but it's like- Probably Trape. <laughs> yeah, like Trape. It's like, I'm, there's definitely- We can talk some, about that a little right. bit. <laughs> oh, good, because I was going to ask you about it. So can we okay. talk about it? Yeah, I'll let Peter, let Peter- Okay, uh, good. Peter well, I've, yeah, I've, real, I've realized that when, sometimes when people ask me, now when they're kind of like well what do you like about lafayette you know everybody's natural response is the food the culture and the people and i i agree with that but now i think my reason might be stephen <laughs> because <laughs> because he's bringing to me Making he's bringing <laughs> but he's bringing all the stuff that i feel like other people are moving away for or the stuff i you go to another city and you're like wouldn't it be great if we had this and then i come home and Steven's like, well, wow, we're doing something similar over here. And it's like, okay. And you start to feel this last need of like, well, I love Lafayette for everything it is. I just wish it had these other little assets that these other cities have just been able to have and get. And so. so Peter, what I hear you saying is this laundry list of things I have. I want to mm -hmm. have the Santa Monica Thursday Promenade. I want to have the San Antonio River Walk. All right. of those things. If I just tell Steven, he'll build them here and I don't have to leave again. Right. But he's actually already thinking about this. I, I, I think, that. I think, yeah, I think, uh, you know, <laughs> so he's ahead of you. Okay. I'm yeah, all for so, it. I'm going to add um, Sandy beach now to the list. <laughs> well, that could happen. We, you know, we'll be the and coast a, by so many years. And the biggest lazy river in the world. That's my list, Stephen. Those are my four things. The biggest lazy river. Yes. Like the longest. Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> and it could just go in a circle. I'd be fine with that. Just a really nice, cool, windy circle. I mean, how awesome would that be? We can go around the whole city. 
and yes. people build loops. interstate loops. We can build, build a, a yeah. loop. It is a Louisiana River. Louisiana River, River loop. Yeah. It kind of rolls right off the top. Yeah, nice alliteration. Right. <laughs> right. Um, no, Peter, I think that's a great answer. And it kind of opens up nicely for Stephen's response. Stephen, tell us. Um, about uh, Trappe? Yes. In, in particular. So, um, so I've been working with a, um, a, also an architect and real estate developer out of New Orleans, uh, Marcel Wisnia, who does much larger projects than we've, we've done. And uh, I brought him to Lafayette in 2014 and brought him to a couple different places, but specifically um, the, uh, the old Trappe cannery on the Vermilion. And at one point we got a little distracted by it and um, tried to do the federal courthouse project and didn't get selected for it. But we pivoted back to looking at the river and the opportunity came up to purchase the, um, the old warehouses, about 188,000 square feet under roof, which is about four acres under roof of historic warehouses. And we, uh, we didn't even have to think very long to decide let's buy it because we had already been back and forth to it for years. And so we started doing some schematic designs and master planning and the whole, the site as a whole is actually 23 acres. It's um, about a quarter mile length of the Vermilion. So we're looking at river walk possibilities. We're looking at uh, potentially connecting to Beaver Park and even uh, rethinking Beaver Park for the city and working with the city and, and actually the mayor's office has been working with us a lot on the project as well as uh, Lafayette Economic Development Authority. Lita has been great from the very beginning because uh, this is not a project that, that me and Marcel can do by ourselves, right? It's, it, it will take a community effort to, to make this project real. Um, but I, at this point, I have no doubt that it will be real. Um, and I have no doubt that the community is um, going to continue to help us as much as they have between the uh, mayor's office and uh, Lita and even even um, Acadiana Planning Commission. So um, we, you know, it's, it's going to be fun. We're, we're talking about our, our, our goals for this mixed use project would be able to have a hotel component to have... Um, hundreds of dwelling units, mixture of apartments and condos. Um, we're looking at brew pub. We're looking at um, an outfitter where you can actually launch kayaks into the river right there. Um, you know, your, your basic riverfront development. I say basic, but <laughs> we, we've actually, just like Peter and I were talking about all the places we were looking for precedent of the uh, wayfinding system, we've done a very similar thing with a, with our approach of looking for precedent all across the world of waterfront or riverfront developments that are similar. The one that that we found was probably the closest to what we have is actually uh, just north of downtown San Antonio. There's a, a new development called Pearl District. It's in the old Pearl Brewery. And uh, it's the same amount of acreage, similar amount of linear feet along the river, a mixture between new construction and historic buildings and um, 
you know, placemaking, all the fun things. But I mean, I definitely believe that that trap a can completely change the way people in Lafayette perceive their own city. Um, and even the way regionally how people perceive it, because I see it as a development that that is regional. Um, it's not just a development within the city, but it's it's a place where people are going to drive from Shreveport or from New Orleans or Houston uh, just to come and spend a weekend and and hang out on it. So yeah, we're we're really excited. It's going to be fun. It'll be nice. People that land in the airport as yeah, they cross right Evangeline, there. it's right there. It's a night. It's a nice yeah. greeting. You know, hopefully you get that. Yeah, like what is that place? <laughs> you know, yeah. we bu we booked the wrong hotel. <laughs> that's amazing how much could the potential i-49 um work affect it or, or do you just think that's so far in the future it's not even going to be an issue we've been working with um with dotd's team specifically the the connector the i-49 connector team right and they already had it on their radar as a historic site um so they've already kind of been respectful there's been a few other things we pointed out to them that we're trying to save some live oaks and there's some some flood zone stuff, and so we're but we're working with them. Uh, Katie on Planning Commission's really done a lot of work to to help us get there too. So yeah, no, um, Monique and her team are awesome. Yeah, yeah, Monique's been great, and um, you know the um, we actually right now are currently working on putting it on the national registry, Good. and so it's been a really interesting process. The, the people we hired have done a really awesome job, and there's like 22 page. 22 pages of just, uh, I wouldn't even say it's the history, it's just the chronology of the site. <laughs> and it goes all the way back to the Neolithic era because they found, they found um, bones and teeth from a Macedon on the site at one point. In, no way. Yeah, in 1971. And they, uh, it was a big deal, like in the 70, early 70s about how they found this Macedon. So wow. yeah, so it's, it's even got prehistory. <laughs> But, That's amazing. Um, I mean, we the trapeze actually moved into that location in 1930, and you can imagine in 1930 you just had this major crash in the tw in 29, and the beginning of the depression, the uh, the site had been flooded majorly in the flood of 1927. You had Huey Long was was the governor, and Hoover was the the president. And these guys opened up a, a giant cannery and were canning. Mostly it was the yams that made them, made them very successful. And it really helped the whole economic, the economic, uh, the economy in the, in the whole region because people were shipping, the farmers were shipping all of their, their sweet potatoes and their yams to the site, uh, a lot of it on rail. And um, and then they, they have a rail, railroad spur that goes right in the middle in between the buildings. Wow. And, uh, you know, things could get there by boat. Things can get there by rail. Um, obviously, there's a highway next to it. But it's it's a great site. It's, it's very interesting. It's fascinating. Even before the flood of 1927, it actually had some four-story buildings along the river that was part of the uh, Star Salt Company. Oh. And they were... They were, I didn't even realize we had a salt dome in Lafayette Parish, but in, uh, there's a place called Anse La Butte, which is uh, actually not far from, from the Acadiana Park. And they were mining for the salt 
they were shipping the brine down the river to the trap site and they were separating the brine into chlorine and salt and shipping it out on the uh on the railroad spur that's amazing so, yeah what a and huge it, part of lafayette and acadiana's yeah. history and even at that same time it shared uh next door was baldwin lumber Mm -hmm. which was actually owned by uh, the Texas company, which is today Texaco. So it, it, it's been, it's been fascinating. Even whenever it was in trapeze in, in the, in world war two, they were major uh, dehydration plant that they created just to dehydrate yams and ship them to the war effort. And so some really fascinating, fascinating stories that, that, that are at there. We even found a photo of, um, it, of they had a they used to have host an annual pepper eating contest there and one of the winners was actually former miss louisiana and about to become ellie may in the beverly hillbillies mm -hmm. and so we have this great picture of her with these like three or four guys swooning around her and she had just won the pepper eating contest and you could see randolph trappe shaking her hand <laughs> so that's classic um, there might have to be a bar named Ellie Mae. Absolutely. <laughs> right. She must be honored. Right. That's awesome. Um, I have completely neglected our listeners. So I have to uh, touch base on a couple of questions that have been asked. Uh, first of all, Connor Allo is um, thankful that we are speaking it into existence, uh, that we will one day build a five-story building right here on our site uh, because they're all looking forward to that rooftop lounge. Uh, Anita Begno says hi, I think to all three of us. And Hi. Hannah Crater asks, she says, I'm interested in the wayfinding printing process. Will it be done locally? It is. Yep. Yes. The, um, the people who won the bid is 3D International Signs. And I've actually worked with them on some signage on some of the buildings that we've done. Uh, actually, they, they, built the sign, they built my sign for uh, SO Studio. Uh, so they, they were really good at even taking the logo which peter and allison uh developed for us and adapting it into a cool neon light that it's actually neon and pop out and cut out letters so it's three different things going on but they did a really good job um obviously this is not as detailed as that but they're gonna they're gonna do great it's that's gonna awesome well, good. I'm glad to know it's being done locally. Um, all right. We are quickly running out of time and I want to make sure we save a few minutes for the lightning round questions at the end. Um, so I'm thinking maybe we'll take turns. Peter goes first, then Steven, and then Steven will go first and then Peter follows for the next one. So first question, Peter, this, you start this one. Favorite place on earth? Favorite place on earth? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> uh, Grand Isle. Okay. Steven? <laughs> Holly Beach. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, greatest place on earth. I don't know. Um, that's a good question. You had plenty of time to think of an answer while Peter was I know. talking. I'm sorry. It's it will be. There's too, there's too many. There's it too many. It will be trapeze, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. See, trapeze is a great answer. Yeah, there's All too right. many. Steven, you go first on this one. A movie you can't turn off. Uh, Amelie. Okay. Peter? Die Hard, always. <laughs> okay, now, is it a Christmas movie or not? Yes, it is a Christmas Thank you. movie. Thank you. Thank yeah. you very much. Of course yes. it is. Um, all right, Peter, you go first on this one. Uh, TV show to binge watch. Oh, I'll just do the current one. We've been watching Atypical. Ooh, excellent choice. Steven? 
Seinfeld. Okay, that's a good answer. You can um, really binge that one. Right. Yeah. Um, Stephen, your favorite book? My favorite book is probably um, The Accidental City by Powell. It's a okay. history, history book that's fascinating about uh, colonial Louisiana all the way through the territory. And there's lots of points that you're like laughing so hard. And you're like, some things don't change. <laughs> Peter, how about you? <clears throat> not going to even try to sound cool. If you, if you really know a lot about me, I'm not a big reader. And so I, I'm afraid all my favorite books are probably like from when I was much younger <laughs> in elementary school. Uh, you could go with Hardy Boys. It's a perfectly acceptable yeah, answer. Sure, Hardy Boys. <laughs> all right, how about favorite podcast? I know you listen to those. Uh, my favorite podcast is uh, How Did This Get Made? Right. Steven, how about you? Um, probably uh, there's an architecture firm called 3040, and they have a cool podcast. Okay. That's a good one. Um, Steven, favorite car? Favorite car? Probably a Tesla. Nice. Good answer. Peter? I'm going to say I've owned a, a Ford Econoline van for most of my life. <laughs> and... Uh, I, but I, I was telling somebody the other day, it's like, I don't think I can ever not have it. I, I love it so much that it's a, it's a really silly and maybe stupid car to be your favorite. But it's like, if I had to live without a car, it'd be that one. Secondary right. car. Well, I don't know. <laughs> but that's okay. I, that's a good I, answer. I, I love it. You know, that's awesome. Now, is it all tricked out in the back? Like you built it out for camping and traveling and no. Okay. No, it's so it like, still looks like a church van. For the most part, yeah. yeah. Right. You can take the seats out and, and stuff like that, but yeah. we have camped in it. We, you know, it All comes right. in handy when you got to transport these mock-ups of giant totems, <laughs> right? Exactly. To the council meetings, and, and <laughs> maybe this shows how many friends or lack of friends, but nobody has ever asked me to move anything for them. Oh, <laughs> they will now. Now that you've put the word out, right. I know. yep, it's going to happen. Yeah, I'm here to help, but no one's asking. <laughs> All right, Peter, favorite festival? Festival. Um, yeah, I mean, you have to go festival international. Or festivals okay. of Cutting and Creole. I don't, oh, I don't know. Or Jazz Fest or French Quarter Festival. I mean, there's a Black million Pot. of them. Yeah, there's just, what, there's like 367 festivals in this state alone. Right. I, yeah. All right, I heard international yeah. is your first answer. So, Stephen, how about you? I'll say Acadian Creole. There you go. Thank you. Now yeah. we can have balance. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right, Stephen, your pettiest pet peeve. Pettiest pet peeve? Oh, man. I, probably, I mean, as an architect, it's like <laughs> you're always reading. You're always reading the environment around you. So, um like if a light socket or something is like not vertical, <laughs> like it's slightly tilted, I guess that's one. But I just, I see all those little details and it's, uh, that's probably my pettiest pet peeve is sometimes I got to just get over it. <laughs> well, that's a good one. And live in the world. <laughs> Peter? Uh, <clears throat> probably before having a child, one of my biggest pet peeves was people like not returning the, the cart at the grocery store, but once you have a child, you realize that it's really hard to, if you're there by yourself to put that card back. And so if it's nothing but parents there by themselves, then I'm okay with the card. But if you do not have a kid with you that, that cannot stay in that car by themselves, you should not be leaving the card right next to your car. 
I agree. No, cart return is a, is a big one. Um, <laughs> all right, Peter, your first favorite musician. Ooh. These are, I mean, <laughs> that musician. Yeah, I know. Just pick one. All first right, one that pops into your mind. First, David Bowie. Yeah, there not, you good go. the, not good at the lightning round. Yeah. <laughs> Steven, how about you? I don't know. It's hard. It, I mean, I have a musician who works for me now, so <laughs> it's uh, it's probably Anna Laura Edmondson. Yeah. There you go. See, good. <laughs> you gotta go with her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Steven, uh, if Britney do... Spears is a close second. Right? Oh, well, <laughs> those seem to be diametrically opposed, but I'll allow both answers. <laughs> Um, Steven, if you're going to do karaoke, what song do you sing on stage? Oh, man. I don't know. Um. <laughs> Probably something by Britney Spears, I'm guessing. What's your favorite? Yeah, I guess. Steven, um, Steven have you ever done karaoke? I, I have, but it was in Latin America and it was in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> It was probably like a Shakira song or something. <laughs> <laughs> Peter, how about you? Because I've, I've actually never done karaoke. Uh, really? Yeah, I have kind of a, I don't know how I'm friends with Julie Bordelon because it's like her favorite thing in the world. But I, <clears throat> but if I had to do a song, like the song in my dreams, right? Right. It's probably like, uh, like How Will I Know by Whitney Houston. Oh, excellent choice. I like the fact that you both went with female singers. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Although right now I think it's that my summer song is is probably uh, Peaches. So All right. your Peaches in Georgia. <laughs> that is fantastic. Gentlemen, I cannot thank you both enough for making the time today and talking with us about the Wayfinding Signage Project and everything else. Uh, before we part, um, tell me what you're most excited about that's coming down the pike next. Who goes first? Steven. Um, uh, Cayenne Lofts is going to be across the street from- That's what you're calling it, Cayenne Lofts? Yeah, it's called Cayenne. Love it. See, Vermilion on Vermilion Street. We're sticking with the red theme. Good. It's going to be like the red block. I love it. <laughs> Everyone will be like, let's go down to that block with all the red buildings. <laughs> You'll throw a little bit of yellow in though, just to stay on brand, right? Yeah, I mean, we have the, the you could see our yellow columns coming down okay, in, good. in our in our office, right? <laughs> All right, I love it. Peter, how about you? Sure. My uh, projects most excited about. Um, Allison is actually more spearheading this, but she is she's actually starting a podcast. Awesome. And it's it's called Last Place State, and it is a self help podcast for states that generally fall in last place and trying to understand why we're always ranked last but then also putting the more human aspect behind those data points to start to figure out, uh, to obviously become more compassionate to those data points, but at the same time <clears throat> being able to kind of measure, like the intangibles never get measured. You know, the, the personalities of people don't get measured. So. That is awesome. Yeah. Um, I feel like Louisiana's last place on every list, but is she going to occasionally interview people from Arkansas and Mississippi? Is that the plan? That is that is the plan. Or at least maybe the first season, obviously, will be about Louisiana. Uh, but a lot of the it's a lot of the same types of issues right. and and, uh, and problems or lack of. And yet, they're and such great states. All three. right. Like Arkansas exactly. is like the best kept outdoor like mm -hmm. activity secret in in America. 
and like Mississippi has just such great food and culture and beaches, ri writers, like right, they're writers. Writers, writers. yes. Like, it's music, like, ever, everything that has come out of Mississippi. Right. I mean, just the Delta alone is huge. Right. Yeah. That is fascinating. Well, gentlemen, thank you very much. And to everyone who listened and watched, uh, we appreciate it. Please uh, feel free to tune in next time, subscribe, and continue to be a part of the Razor Branding Podcast family. Thanks, y'all. Awesome. Okay. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you. Bye. Day is the